anything. It wouldn't do anything. It wouldn't. Even, no. a, even after you squeezed it? I squeezed it really did hard. Did you try to twist it at all? Oh, 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 hi, guys. Hi. How about that cigar? How about that cigar? That was embarrassing. <laughs> Welcome to episode 95 of How About That Cigar Live. Guys, thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube as well. If you are listening on the audio podcast after the fact, thank you so much for listening to us while you drive down the road or work out or twist things, whatever it is you mm-hmm. do. No judgments while you listen to audio podcasts. Thanks so much mm-hmm. for listening. Uh, episode 95. This is 95. crazy. And guys, this is another big kind of milestone, which is which we're really excited about and grateful to you for. Um, so the obviously we have How About That Cigar Live, the show that you're watching right now that we're all enjoying. But the website, HowAboutThatCigar.com, actually launched officially live February 1st, 2019. Happy two-year anniversary. Dos años. Thanks so much for, uh, you know, making us part of your cigar culture, making us part of your cigar life. Uh, we do this because we just love it, and thanks so much for being a part of it truly, with us. Truly, truly grateful. Absolutely. As always, like we said, we are live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and let's talk about the new Liga Pravada Bauhaus the basic tenet of Bauhaus architecture is that every object must have a purpose in the design. The new purpose. Liga Pravada Bauhaus Short Robusto pays extra attention to leaf placement within the cigar, mm-hmm. intentionally designed to take our European aficionados through a newly curated experience. Mm. Bauhaus is a 114 millimeter by 50 Short Robusto that is wrapped in a rich, earthy Connecticut broadleaf kappa, mm. includes a bold Brazilian binder, and is completed using filler tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. Wrap it. The Liga Pravada Unico Siri Bauhaus is packaged in an elegant gold embossed 12-count box. Package. The Liga Pravada Unico Siri Bauhaus is now available at EU retailers through Drew Estate's European distributors. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. Kind of hot. Kind of. Oh, oh, yeah? Wow. A little bit. You, you need to... Uh, no, need, I'll be need, all right. Need me to get the hose? I'll be all right. I'll be all right. All right. That's good. So, it is Super Bowl week. So for yes. anybody who's interested, there is a game happening on Sunday, uh, the Super Bowl. Old uh, school versus the, new school. As the NFL calls it. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're you're looking at, uh, you know, Tom Brady, who's um, he's pretty good. I think he's got a future in the game, Tom Brady. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes, who I'm pretty sure he won the big game last year. So, yeah, that boy good. That boy good. So, yeah, it's a good uh, – I think it's going to be a really good game. I, do I am – as much as I love Patrick Mahomes, and I love, I believe he is like the, if for lack of a better term, the future of the NFL. He's he's just a great, great athlete all around and a good guy. I am not going to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, mm. and neither team is my team. I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So he's he's a hard one to bet against. Yeah. So that I'm, being I'm said, taking Tampa Bay. That being said, I've got uh, 31-29 Kansas City. All right. All right. I've got 34, 26, Tampa Bay. All right. So uh, it should should be an interesting game. Um, and in other news, just really, we just have to talk about this. The weirdest thing happened over the past week that you, you may have seen it on the news and all over social media. Apparently, the financial system is rigged. You're watching mainstream media, That's Matt. That's weird. That's weird. So anyway, yeah. There, Too much memes. So uh, I hope everybody bought their game stock or GameStop stock. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly. AMC. Yes, AMC. 
And uh, um, I bought a lot a of I bought a lot of stock in this company called My Little Pony. That's good. I don't know if it's gonna. I, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna hold and just see. I'm suggesting see everybody buy stock in Toys R Us. Toy, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And Enron. <laughs> yes, buy Enron and Nets, Netscape. Netscape. Buy Netscape. AOL. Uh, MySpace. AOL. Those are good ones. Definitely movers and shakers. Um, as always, guys, in the comments, participate along with us during the show. Tell us what you're smoking. Tell us what you're drinking. If you have mm-hmm. questions for our special guest in a few minutes, let us know what those questions are. Uh, and I think it is time mm-hmm. to introduce our special guest of the evening. Mm-hmm. And as always on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, President and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com. And Florida Sungrown dot com, mm-hmm. and get that graphic out of there. So, ladies and gentlemen, episode ninety five. How about that cigar live? Please put your hands together. Rousing round of applause for our special guest from FQ Cigars, Matt Hunt. Welcome to the show, uh, Gary. That was rousing. I appreciate that applause. <laughs> yeah, thanks, yes, brother. A little bit of. That was nice. Kept it nice and low. I appreciate it. You could you could hear it all all out throughout the Twitter sphere. It was yeah. deafening. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Oh man, it is <laughs> it is a beautiful night here. And uh, we were talking a little bit before we went live. It's a beautiful night here in Minnesota. It got up to twenty nine or thirty degrees today, so that was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, so um, before we get onto cigars and everything, I know you're a football guy. You're a Florida guy. Yes. Are you a Tampa Bay guy? Uh, so long story. I am in this game. I am a Tampa Bay guy. Uh, actually, a born again Packers fan. So last uh, last week was a little bit tough. My man. That's right, man. Last My week. Man. I know. Yeah. Well, I have yeah. really good friends that they're Packers fans through and through, and just watched a few games, and I'm like, I can get behind this whole Bratwurst thing. Oh. Yeah. I was yeah. a fan with that. And then I'm also a born again Chargers fan, but that hasn't panned out for me yet. So, <laughs> so we're still waiting on that one. What's your prediction? Uh, I think it's going to be Tampa 40 and then uh, Kansas City 35. Yeah. That's it's, a lot of offense. Yeah. Well, offense. I think that's what this game's going to be. I agree. Shoot out. Both defenses are pretty solid. I think the defenses are going to hang back and let them play. I only hope so. I hope so too. That just makes for a fun game. Well, and I used to be, so I actually played, I played college football for one year up in Massachusetts. And ever since then, I was like, man, Patriots fans, not my favorite. <laughs> and, of course, and I was like, during the time of like Tom Brady was just like running stuff. And I'm like, God, I hate you, Tom. But then <laughs> I actually became a believer. I actually watched, there was a thing on, uh, on Facebook. It was Tom versus time. And I was like, he doesn't seem like the worst guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is actually he's he's a pretty great dude as far as everything I've seen online and seen interviews with him and that deal after the Saints game with his him and his him and uh, Breeze's kids and family and everything. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and then him him uh, him hugging his son after the Green Bay game. Uh, it's like okay, he's a he's a good guy. And then he was like, "Can I talk to my son?" And I'm like, yeah. "Who's gonna tell Tom Brady?" No, sorry, pal, you just won. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was uh, it was a heartbreaking loss for us Green Bay fans, but um, Green Bay just didn't get it done. So, all right, did you see that they almost traded? Uh, the big thing is they were saying that I guess they the Texans offered Deshaun Watson for Rodgers and they yeah. turned it down. I was like, hey, well, there's like three teams yeah. that went hard after Aaron. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't think he wants to leave. Yeah, um, would he? I don't think he no. wants to leave. Um. He just wants to get the Rodgers rate and stay in Green Bay. <laughs> well, I just hope he can get uh, another Super Bowl ring before he retires, but uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, Matt, thanks again for being on the show with us uh, tonight. And, you know, we, we've we been uh, really excited over the last year and a half or so since we've been doing the show because we were – we're really fortunate. We get to meet a lot of people in the cigar business. And as we always say, cigar people are the best people. And, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, get to know more about you and your story and, and your cigars. Um, and part of that story is kind of the beginning. So um, take us through sort of your first experience sitting down, good or bad, through that that experience of sitting down with a premium hand rolled cigar and and what that experience was like for you. All right, so the first time I had a cigar, my uh, my brother was actually working on a cruise ship and was doing the whole singing and dancing thing, and he ended up uh, he was in the Mediterranean, and so I was like, oh man, what other chance am I going to get to go fly over to Italy and kind of boat around? And ended up being able to do that, and. Of course, us being Cuban, we're like, oh, man, we got to have a Cuban cigar. And not knowing anything, this is when I'm 17, 18 years old, ended up going buying one from some random little shop that sold more cigarettes than cigars, ended up buying a little Quintero with a red band and looked rough. But, of course, not knowing anything, I'm like, this is going to be the best. And uh, (laughs) ended up taking the cigars back onto the ship and – Ended up lighting them up in the casino because all this is like more of a older person crew, so probably a good forty years between me and the next person, which prepped me for the cigar business when I first started. And uh, and yeah, I don't necessarily remember the cigar per se. It was more the whole ambiance, the whole experience of smoking and being around all these guys dressed in the nines and gambling. And I was like, I can do this. Yeah, I'm kind of into this. Uh, so I ended up when I came back to Florida, I ended up getting my first humidor on Craigslist and ended up kind of getting into it and going to the local shops. And what's actually funny is a lot of guys that I first started smoking with then ended up working at other shops and now actually are great sellers of my cigars. So it's kind of cool to see full circle the whole thing. Oh, absolutely. And do you um, uh, kind of remember the point? Because I remember the point for me and I think a lot of us do where you know, we go from sort of casual cigar smoking, you know, you buy a few here and there, like there's a wedding or a bachelor party or some event and you grab a handful of cigars and hand them out at an event or something like that. And then you kind of jump over that, 
you know, fence where you buy a little humidor and then you buy a little bit bigger humidor and a little bit bigger. So you can, can you remember kind of that time when you crossed over that threshold from cigar enthusiast to full on cigar nerd? Oh yeah. It was the moment that I realized I could make money from it because I was, because <laughs> it was, so I, like I said, I mean, I would go to like local shops and like buy a couple sticks here and there and never was like super into the nerdy side of it. But then I had some family in Tampa that they used to know the people who own the cigar shop and I was able to get stuff at price. So I would just buy them and fill up a humidor and be like, damn, that's a nice looking full humidor. And I was, like I said, I was 18 at the time, would go visit my buddies at UF, FSU, these different colleges and being like a hundred year old man in an 18 year old's body when everybody else is like ripping cigs and whatever else they're smoking, I'm over there with a torpedo. I'm like, oh yeah. And then the fraternity guys would be like, oh, hey, how much for one of those? And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> That's kind of that moment. That was that moment, Matt, that I'm like, I think I just became Matt the cigar guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that is one of those one of those things that you realize, man, there's there's a market for this. And and honestly, we were talking also about this before we went live that you know, the cigar boom back in the 90s was great, but but it really feels like we're in the middle of a of a, an even better cigar boom right now. And and it's been it's been kind of ramping up for the past five, six, seven, eight years, something like that. And you got in at a good time. So when you were when you were, you know, in college and you know, looking through your prospects, your future, thinking about what you wanted to do, you know, how did that turn into a decision to say, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a business out of cigars. I'm gonna did you immediately go to a brand or did you start thinking about retail or anything like that? How did the, how did the FQ line of premium cigars originate? So it's a, it's a quick story. It's one of those things of just kind of like being in the right place, right time, knowing the right people. Cause you can imagine, right? Like a lot of people who probably see you guys have this show and they're like, Oh my God, you figured it out. You created your own little brand. You got your stuff going. Like you got people sending you cigars, reviewing them, this and that. And that's, I tell people, I mean, I didn't necessarily go and work for a retailer and then become a broker and then become a sales rep and this and that. I ended up going from finding out that I could sell cigars, having some ideas for branding, and then very fortunate for me that I ended up meeting John Oliva from Oliva Tobacco. So not Oliva Cigars, but Oliva Tobacco out of Tampa. Mm-hmm. And uh, met him at an engagement party. Ends up that his family did business with our family in Cuba. And me at 18, he was like, oh, yeah, if you're – if you're serious, come to the factory in Tampa and we can talk. He's like, I don't necessarily make cigars, but I'll be able to put you in touch with people that can. And so it was, I, I'm telling you, it was probably the same summer that I started buying those cigars that very soon after I ended up meeting John Oliva that he started putting me in touch with people down in Nicaragua and was like, hey, I got some contacts for you. And I still, to this day, I tell people, I'm like, how did my parents let me go to Nicaragua at 19? what and they were like oh you're a very persuasive 19 year old and i'm like i i definitely couldn't speak the spanish i speak now like i grew up speaking spanish but very different one nicaraguan spanish and then two questions that they ask you at the airport questions they ask you at the factory that's not like hey how are you how was your day that's like hey what's the address you're gonna stay at i'm like i don't know they just told me there was gonna be somebody at the airport to pick me up yeah (laughs) And, so, and that was actually the first time I ever went to Nika. I ended up getting detained at the airport because they asked me for an address. And I'm like, awesome. And I'm like, I have no idea. 
I was like, I gave you my ten dollars. I gave you my ten dollars. I don't know what you're say. And it didn't help because then I remember I went. I was like, and I don't know if you guys remember when you went. Like there used to be a time when there was literally they didn't even have like all the stuff to scan all your luggage and all that stuff. It was literally you went through customs and you turn a corner and it's like all glass. And yeah. I was expecting somebody to have my name. And after like the second trip over there, I'm like, please just let me go look at the glass to see if somebody. The guys just like butchered my name, and I'm like, that one's for me. Somehow, by the grace of God, that actually was the guy, even though my name was just like butchered. That's how you wake up in a bathtub full of ice with your kidneys missing. Yep. Yeah, no. <laughs> then, then it's like I'm arriving there at like 10 o'clock, and I didn't necessarily look up how far Esteli was from Manawa. So I'm like, going with this stranger, I'm like, the first 20 minutes, I got all the questions out that I could. I'm like, hey, what kind of music you like? Spanish? Surprise. <laughs> and so it's literally for the next like hour and a half, I just sat there. I'm like, this guy could be driving me anywhere. Yep. Yeah. And but luckily I made it. And ended up saying like this little Oliva tobacco. Like this is I ended up staying in somebody's apartment and then so they down there they have Nika Prosa and that's like they do all the pre industry stuff there and that was just bananas. I mean I I didn't grow up around my parents didn't smoke not even big drinkers. And to go there, I was like, this is what's up. That's awesome. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, we gotta, we gotta address something. Here we go. Um, we've got, we've got some people that, that apparently they're very disappointed. Is it a suit thing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we got Mike Palmer and Mike, we got Mike and Mike giving us, yeah. well, giving you, yeah. So what ended up happening is that after, a few years hanging out with the Roman craft crew, I was like, they do look comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it was after a few times of enough people being like, yo, do you have any socks? I used to wear loafers with no socks. I'm like, you know what? Your boys are going to start wearing sneakers. <laughs> sneakers. <laughs> so that's where that's at. And I'm just in the comfort of my own home. So yeah. that's awesome. Absolutely. I just had to mention it since uh... there is no dress code on how about that cigar. I, I appreciate that. I yeah, clothing is optional. We may or may not be wearing pants right now. For a second, I was like, that'd be kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just nothing. Just nothing. Mm-hmm. We'd, get, mm-hmm. we'd get Facebook banned so fast, we wouldn't know what hit us. Like, you can curse, but I swear to God, put a freaking shirt on that guy. Oh, yeah. 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 Please say whatever words you want. Just please, please. Yeah. M- just tell, mm-hmm. the, tell the hosts of the show to please put clothes on. Put their on. moves away. <laughs> So what, uh, when you got to Nicaragua, did you, um, did you look at a few, because one of the, one of the key parts of, of building a brand and, and putting blends together is, is good factory partnerships and getting, getting in with a factory that, that really has quality people, quality processes, uh, can really help guide you to put blends together that are, that are, um, uh, that are not only tasty, but are going to deliver from a retail point of view. So did you, did you tour a few different facilities and kind of make up your mind or did you, uh, were you set on going to a particular facility uh, for factory partnership right off the bat? Well, so the, the partnership started pretty quick, especially, like I said, I mean, the relationship I have with the Oliva family was awesome because I'm going to be hundred percent honest. It's one of those things like when I went down there, John Oliva didn't even know that I was going. So, okay. so let's, this is a little tidbit of a story that I always think is funny. Like fast forward three years, 
I was going down back to Puerto Rico and I didn't even have a cigar brand. I was just trying to learn as much as I could. Like I was telling you guys before we started the show, it's like, oh, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to just have cigars sent to me and then be like, oh, I own a cigar brand. I wanted to go down and know what I was talking about. And it was crazy because, so uh, Gustavo Cura, Gus, the man, uh, first thing that he made me do when I went to every factory, which like the first ones was Pensa and Naxa, which like those are the ones that they're affiliated with. And it wasn't like, oh, hey, yeah, let's go play with blending. He's like, no, go to every station. And it wasn't like he walked me over to a station. He was like, no, no, just go to every station and learn what they do. I was like, sick. (laughs) Same thing as that that driving situation that I'd be like, because I don't want them to just be a random humongous white kid looking like a white kid walking up to them and then they just be like, okay, what's up? But I started trying to kind of, Hey, how long you been doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Like just trying to create relationships. And it was through that, that I was actually really able to create a lot of cool relationships with the people in the factory because that made it such an easy decision to like, yeah, I went to a few other ones, but I mean, it was just so natural there because for almost three years, I was just kept going back and was going through the process. Cause and then finally kind of going and blending and trying to taste every single tobacco that they have in their repertoire, which is insane. Um, and it was kind of an easy decision because yeah. that's, I mean, remember I was at that time when I finally came out with something, I would have been like 2021 20, that they took me seriously. I mean, granted, I was only, I think the, my first shipment was like 3000 cigars and it was a thousand of three different blends. Yeah. And the next time I was like, okay, well the one in the middle wasn't everybody's favorite. I'm gonna stick with one and three. And then I'm going to go to three different sizes in those two blends. And then the numbers grew from there and so on and so forth. But there's another one of my favorite stories is that I actually ended up going relatively soon after I first got into creating the FQ brand and we were going through another process and another shipment and I felt like something was off. And so I had actually ended up telling Gus and Gus was like, okay, go talk to the, go talk to the guy that's running the floor. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I was like, he's going to love this. <laughs> I ended up going to him and I ended up having to tell him like, Oh, Hey, this doesn't taste the same. And I even brought samples from my first shipment just to kind of compare. Cause I mean, not to say that I was suspicious, but I mean, just like anything else, I wanted to be careful just because of me being young and no matter what factor I ended up using, I would always want to kind of fact check him. Yeah. And the guy actually smoked a cigar and he was like, you know what? He pulled up two chairs in the middle of the floor, and we just started smoking them as they came off the rolling tables. And I was like, damn, that was like, that's still to this day one of my favorite memories I've ever had. Because that was one of those moments that you're like, okay, I feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah. I'm taking being taken seriously, even though I'm not doing a million sticks a year, millions of sticks a year. Like, they know that I'm really trying to put my heart into this product, yeah. even though it's still a new new brand. Yeah. Well, and they, it's, it really is, is amazing. And again, and again, I, we, I say it all the time, but anybody who ever gets a chance, obviously we got to wait a little bit for the world to open up again, but anybody who ever gets a chance to go to Nicaragua and, and do some cigar factory tours, it will, your appreciation level for the products that you enjoy on a daily basis will increase by a thousand percent. Oh yeah. And you will, you, you will be amazed that every cigar that, that even budget so-called budget brands don't cost $20 oh, yeah. a stick. 
and well, the, and the expensive luxury brands. Yeah. And the, Rolls, it's all that pre-industry stuff that we were talking about before the show that it's like, Oh my God, the processing that it goes through. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you could have the world's best roller, but you got garbage material. doesn't matter. Let's talk about what we're smoking. Let's do it. Uh, so, Matt, what are you uh, what are you smoking and drinking right now? So, uh, I'm actually drinking some Woodford, a little bit of Woodford Reserve. Nice. Smoking uh, some new sizes. It's a little secret project that I've been working on for a while, and uh, it's some new sizes of my existing lines, but it's for a special project that hopefully it'll come to fruition. And uh, I'm actually smoking a five and five eighths by forty six, so a Corona Gorda of the number one to start off. And then we go into the proper. I think I'm going to be joining you guys with that proper. Nice. Uh, I decided to go with the Phenom number three. There you go. And um, and I went. I went right for the proper. And uh, it it good. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, it's got a great. There's great spice to it, but there's great sweetness to it. There's there's dark chocolate and you know black pepper and it's it's burning really really well and and these so these arrived in my mailbox today and it's smoking without any issue whatsoever and it tastes wonderful yeah i mean that prop so the proper is my baby that's the one that was the first one that like top to bottom like because imagine if you're going down for the first time, there's only so much you can possibly know about tobacco. Whereas the proper was after I had some years under my belt and I had notepads just full of every Seiko Viso Lijero, anything that you could think of from the factory and was able to kind of concoct some different things. And yeah, that's, that's the, that's the, my guy right there. So tell us about the, um, uh, give us the kind of the basic rundown of the blend details for the proper. All right, so you got an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper. Um, you got Honduran binder. You got Honduran broadleaf and Nicaraguan in there. Uh, the big things I always tell people, I mean, my big thing when I was blending was I wanted to try and get some of those more full-flavored tobaccos. But I'm not a huge, like, I don't want to necessarily have a nicotine bomb. I don't want to necessarily smoke a cigar and be like, I got to go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's never been my palate. Um and because I mean, even way back, the number three year was actually when I first started was a natural. But then as mm-hmm. I started learning things in the industry, ended up feeling more confident in the blending process. We changed it to a Maduro wrapper. And same thing with that one. That was a little bit younger in the tobacco. So it has a little bit more of that uh, spice mm-hmm. right at the beginning. Um, whereas the proper, I mean, you, the only the aggressiveness really comes from the closed foot. And then from there, you get that whole blend that should really start mending, like melding together and get real nice and very symphonic as well. I mean, that was the biggest thing. And that's one big thing with the tobaccos in the proper is that, I mean, the youngest tobacco in there is three years old. Easy. I mean, that's a big thing on the box. So that was, like, I, I have it all listed there of kind of what we went with for the aging process. And I wanted to be able to get those heavier tobaccos. But as we got them aged, we were actually able to start blending them together for a super clean smoke which I can give props to Nick Malillo that he, that was one big thing that kind of put the switch in my mind when I was first trying to blend stuff that he was like, you want that thing to be clean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, this thing started like a party right away. (laughs) It was like, you walk up to the club and you're like, there's no club here. 
and then some guy opens the door. It's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to party right now. Now, the bouncer didn't kick my ass, but it's a party. And, um, dude. My favorite cigar review ever. <laughs> dude, flavors right away. I'm, I'm loving it. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. They are. All, all of them. And tell us uh, tell us about the uh, – well, actually, uh, yeah, hit us with the, 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 blend, three. the blend right, detail. The number three. Three. That's, that's going to be the Habana Maduro, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan Honduran filler. Uh, you might see a, a trend there. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of Honduran. That was one thing for me Like when I started smoking Honduran tobacco, and especially when you start getting in those – Seco, Viso, Lijero, and getting those notes that you don't necessarily get when, if you're in your beginning stages of blending tobacco, that if it, a cigar has Honduran, you're like, oh, okay, like, I couldn't pinpoint it. But then actually after the blending process, I was like, oh, yeah, all day. Just like even, that, like, the candy sweetness, that was a huge yeah, yeah. aroma. That's another thing that with the proper, I mean, I'm a huge aroma smoker. That's like all the time, I mean, people are always probably wondering, why is this guy literally shoving the cigar in his nose? I'm a huge aroma guy. And the proper, I mean, I can literally just, I don't have to smoke it. Just light it and put it in a freaking ashtray, and I'll be like, yep, that's my incense. I'll take that all day. Yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I like about the, the proper that I'm smoking right now and that I also get from a lot of Honduran tobaccos is the retrohale, when you let some of the smoke out of your nose, it's like those... This sounds weird, but I swear I get it almost every time. Is the those butterscotch candies that Grandma used to keep in her purse? Oh yeah, that's I swear to God, it's like those candies. It's like those butterscotch candies on the retrohale with with these with and, and with with a lot of Honduran tobaccos. I get that, and uh, and that's coming through from this cigar absolutely. Well, and I'm a retro wimp, so I feel like if I was to retro this. It would be like sending an army of orcs through my sinuses. <laughs> oh, love a good Lord of the Rings reference. What's yeah. That? Yeah. And then finally, tell us about uh, Phenom number one. So the number one, Ecuadorian, Connecticut, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan, Dominican. Uh, and I, I know I probably make people upset when I say this. Like, I was never a huge – I know that a lot of people do 100% Dominican cigars, and a lot of times I'll smoke it, and I'm like, just not for my palate. But I, it was actually um, it was actually Gus that actually way back when was telling me that as opposed to doing 100% Nicaraguans or 100% anything is to think of using the Dominican almost like the same way salt for caramel. Yeah, I mean, use it as just a flavoring tobacco and something that will bring out the flavors of the other tobaccos. That for me, that's what I look for in a cigar. I don't necessarily want tons and tons of roughness, and that's kind of where we landed with the Ecuadorian Connecticut and having that little bit of Dominican in there to kind of sweeten it up, get a little creamy. Uh, and then, of course, the Nicaraguan gives a so it, you can feel that there's some tobacco in there, right? It's not yeah. just coming out of your mouth. It actually has a little bit of spice to it. Mm-hmm. It makes it a true smoker's Connecticut. And that's that's what I like is because there's been, and, and I'm sure you've seen it, Connecticut's have, there's been a renaissance in the past couple of years with uh, with Connecticut Shade Wrapper, and um, I think it's great that you and and a lot of other brands have have moved into that mo- moved into that area of putting putting richness and depth into a Connecticut Shade cigar. It's not wispy. It's not it's not quiet. It's not 
it's not one note. It's because yeah. uh, there's so much stuff to work with out there. And you and you know that, I mean, the, the like you said, the thousands of different bales of tobacco that you could choose from uh, and putting putting together. A, I mean, it's got to be it, it's got to be just the most fun and sometimes frustrating, but just absolute fun process working with different blends, you know, uh, whether you're at the factory or not, it's, do you, do you feel like a, like a kid on Christmas when you get a new envelope in the mail with, with test blends to try out? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, especially, and it's been fun now, cause like I was saying, like, it's been so fun to try tobaccos from the other factories, right? Cause like some of these other factories have, they specialize in certain tobaccos and, and it's, of course they arrive and if, especially if they're like true samples, like I even just got something like, they're smushed because they came in a legit envelope. And I'm like, you're over there. I'm like, I don't even care. Like, this is great. <laughs> taking these little pictures of these. I mean, it literally feels like you're rolling up a joint or something. But like, it's just so much fun because once you get used to using certain tobaccos at the factories that you're comfortable with, you don't necessarily want your palate to just kind of get pigeonholed. Yeah. That's one thing that even if, like, even though I say I don't necessarily want nicotine bombs all the time, it's like, believe me, I'll – go for some all the time just to be like, oh, yeah, that reminds me why I don't necessarily love that. Or I'll be pleasantly surprised. Because my thing is that that's – that's you talk about the the fun of blending is to be like, okay, well, I got these 10 blends. I'm going to do these variations. And the one that you didn't think was going to be the one, you're like, hello. That might be something that you can actually kind of – you can start playing around with and give it that time to mature. And that's always a daunting task to give it those 30, 45 days to kind of – give it that time to marry together and see if it's going to be something special. Oh yeah. Now what are the different Vitolas uh, we've got with uh, these blends here? So one of these is going to be the Churchill Robusto and then the Toro Gordo. And then both my Toro and my Robusto are 50 ring gauge, just a little bit longer than the Toro. And then for the proper was where I kind of started playing with the variations. I got the Toro Gordo or the, I apologize, the Corona Gorda Robusto and then the Toro Gordo. So that's a six by 54. That's the biggest ring gauge I make right now. That was just, I've never been a huge ring gauge guy. That was, I, there was a few times I, I dabbled with 60s and the only time I could ever kind of get into it was when it was actually a box pressed and just haven't made it there yet. So. I'm with you. Anything, uh, anything in a Lancero maybe you're thinking about? You know, I mean, we've been playing with that. I mean, it's a tough size. Tough yeah. size. Is, no, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure you guys know there's certain retail. We stop saying Lanceros don't sell. I'm, I'm convinced. But they don't. I'm convinced if we just stop <laughs> saying that. People would, I'm telling you, man, why do you think that those – I mean, I still am floored to think that there were cigars out there that are 80, 90 ring gauges. And it's like – Yeah. Yeah, because that's because people like the bank for the buck. Nobody ever picks up a Lancero, especially like your like, typical smoke, and they're like, wow, what a good deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to shake all of these people. Who are so Lanceros? I agree. I, I st- um, believe me. Like so, like the Toro, the Corona Gorda is like one of my favorite sizes. The forty six ring gauge. Oh my gosh, that is like what, like hands down. I can smoke through those proppers all day long. My number two. That's my wheelhouse. Is five and five eighths by forty six. That's my wheelhouse right there. Yeah. Um. It's and and it's the the whole ring gauge thing and di- so here's actually a question when it comes to ring gauge you were talking about you know 60 ring gauges in a box press cuz it it de- definitely is easier on the jaw to smoke a box press 60 than than a parejo 60 so did you when you were doing your blends did you toy around with box press and it just didn't work out quite right for either the feel or the flavor 
Yeah, I mean, for me, like with the feel, like there was just, I don't know, like I'm, I'm a purist, right? I mean, that's, I'm, especially like the whole thing of even going back to the smaller ring gauges and like, I mean, I just, it was more of a personal preference thing because even the 6x54s, I can smoke. I never necessarily want to, I'm a, still a small brain. I don't necessarily want to have nine Vitolas and then five of them I don't smoke. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I would much rather have something that people see me smoking all the time and they'll be like, oh, I'll have one of those. And then as a, I'd rather have somebody who's a bigger ring gauge guy and be like, hey, well, just give this one a try. See if, like, see if you can see that it's a little bit more of an intense flavor. See if you can find that pureness in this Vitola. Sometimes you get them. Sometimes they're like, why is it so small? I'm like, all right, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when uh... – well, actually, before I get to that question, I'm I'm curious. You talked about uh, you know the Oliva tobacco family, but um, aside from that, talk to us about some of the mentors along the way who have you know given you good advice and that you've you've been able to you know call them or text them or or you know uh, go and stop by and visit them in Nicaragua uh, to get some advice or to. Um, you know, just bounce ideas off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, one of my really good buddies that we, ex- and it's been too long, but we've done, uh, we actually did a South Florida RV trip, Nick Malilo and I. Oh, yeah. So we ended up becoming good buddies because he used to go hang out at uh, Gus Kuda's house down in Nika, and we would just be out on that patio for hours and hours and hours just smoking and drinking. And more, I think, where we kind of vibe was just like on the life stuff. Right? It didn't even end up being the tobacco side of things. It was just more talking about life and talking about any documentary that we ever saw and the meaning of life. And uh, and no, and so and after we would leave those nights, I'd be able to send him anything, and he would send me stuff here and there. And um, and imagine, like I was still going to college when I was first getting into it, so I even did projects on Nick Molillo and be able to do. We'd be on like a two-hour Skype call, and I'd be like, "I already know all these things. So can you just like tell me them so I can write them down?" <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, he's just, I mean, I mean, there's a reason why they call him a tobacco whisperer. Um, another guy, Esteban over from Nika Sueña and even Mike and Skip, they've always been great with me over the years. And, uh, when I first, so Raul Dislas is actually the guy who's running the factory over at Noxa now. So him and Esteban are brothers and we all get along very, very well. And when I was first doing the proper, I actually ended up going over to Nika Sueño and I guess Skip was out of town and I had brought cigars for them both to try and it ended up making me feel good because the next time I saw Skip, I was like, oh, hey, like, did Esteban give you those samples? And he's like, no. I was like, hell yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. And then so I actually messaged Esteban, and he was like, oh, yeah, I smoked this. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I guess I got something. Yeah. And I, like I said, Gus, I mean, I can't even tell you where mentoring that Gus would. I mean, from I didn't text him on any given day. He would tell me when he's going to be in Nicaragua, and I just stay at his house. You know what I mean? And that, that was the best place because even when at the time when I wasn't even making cigars, that Oliva Tobacco was picking up people from the airport or picking them up from different uh, different factories, and I'm just sitting in the back, and I'm just like, oh, my God. It'd be like <laughs> Willie, or it would be like uh, – I would be in so many – like Willie Herrera, I can still vividly remember one time. And, of course, like, I don't remember me, but I can still remember. This is before he got, like, his big uh, – like, all the brands with Drew Estate that – there's this six foot five giant man next to me. And I'm like, I'm not a small guy. I'm like six one, six two, like big dude. I've never seen anybody over six foot in Nicaragua. And I'm like, where is, where is this guy from? And it just was the coolest thing to be able to just 
be driven around this car and just be around great minds and just be able to sit at the table, maybe not even in the beginning, getting a word out because what the hell am I going to tell them? And, uh, yeah, and then even – but also even the guys over at Cigar Hustler now, I mean, I learned so much from them for the on the retail side because they distribute for me. And I get to know so much about the ins and outs of the distribution, the ins and outs of their retail experience. And, you know, I'm a big believer of I, – I don't know anything. I take, I take advice from anybody I can. And, I mean, there might be people who feel very strongly about 6 by 60s that I just haven't seen the light. And, sure, let's sit down. Let's talk. <laughs> so, I mean, those are all – again, of course, I'm sure I'm leaving people out. But, I mean, those are definitely some big ones that they've always – they've never looked at my age. They've never looked at where I'm at in the industry. And they've always really taken a great respect for what I'm doing. And, obviously, I have the highest respect for them. Yeah, that's good. And that's one of the things that we have – we have loved to to learn about this from so many different people over the years that the, I mean, for the most part, there's always going to be exceptions to this, but for the most part, people in, in the cigar business who um, are maybe the people behind the scenes, like the Disla brothers and, and, and Willie, although Willie used to be more behind the scenes, he's kind of out in the forefront now, but they, they are, and, and Nick and, and Skip and Mike, they are, Almost without exception, th- these people are willing to share their knowledge with you at any at any given time to share their knowledge with you and to, um, you know, if they see like like with you, if they see somebody who has a drive and the and work ethic and passion, yeah. then they're they're going to Invest. give you their time and invest. Oh, yeah in you and yeah, it's 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 such a rare thing these days and it you see it in my opinion more in the cigar industry than a lot of other businesses yeah well my big thing is i mean what i've seen like really where i think that the people who give them the time of day it's one of those things that they can tell people who are authentic you know what i'm saying because that's even something that i feel like in my limited time compared to all these other great guys is after a while you just start seeing people who are lack of a better word, phonies. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's funny all these guys are saying the thing about the suits because, I mean, especially when I first got started, you couldn't see me without a, without a suit on. I mean, I was the kid in the suit. If I wasn't in a suit, yeah. every other time that I'd be out in public, I'd be in workout clothes, and, like, that's what I lived in. And that was my craft. You know what I mean? Like, that was my big thing. I was doing something a little bit different that I saw because you kind of had the old-school brands that were doing the old-school things, and I think that I, I think I watched one of your videos that – it was uh, someone. Someone was actually saying that, like, there's that whole air of elegance, and like, a lot of the new age guys, they didn't even get it. They're like, that's like overplayed. So then you have this new wave of like the Drew Estates and uh, the Caldwell cigars and stuff like that that was out of the box, right? That they were trying to be like the new edgy players. And like my thing, I was just that I was super into old school stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like my thing was never trying to make it seem like I was something that I'm not. I was just like, I love suits, I love loafers. And I love smoking in those things. And that was one thing that, like I was, we were talking before that. I mean, I used to hang out at the Romacraft booth, and it would let me do my thing. You know what I mean? They'd let me hang out there in the, the loafers and the slacks and the jackets, and they never questioned it. You know what I mean? And that's, like I said, authenticity is a huge thing. And it's one of those things in this industry, you can smell it a mile away if the person is full of shit. Yeah, yeah. And and it's 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 just something great about this this industry that we love so much um well and the other cool thing like you know talking with you know people like especially like skip martin 
and uh, you know Steve Saka is, you know, they will often say, you know, they they field several calls a week from people who are like, you know, I'm thinking about getting into the cigar business, and um, but there are very few who actually end up developing that relationship yeah. because of that work ethic, because of that drive. And so for those who have developed that relationship, you know that they have the work ethic, you know they have the drive and the desire to do something great with tobacco. And they have, you know, this interest in building not only their brands, but the cigar industry as a whole. And it just comes full circle, you know. And so that's kind of, uh, you know, says something about you and what you're doing. The fact that you've built those relationships shows your work ethic, your um, desire to build a brand and do it the right way. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, Garrett. That was one thing that I was telling somebody this the other day, like a young entrepreneur, somebody who's just trying to, they were kind of playing with the idea of something. And I was like, yo, let me tell you, when I, like I said, I was 18, 19. And when I was going through the process of like going to retailers and trying to pitch my product, my Thursdays to Sundays, like I was hanging out with 50 to 75 year old men. Right. I was like, that was my grind. And I was like, and not to say I didn't enjoy it. Like, luckily I love that. I love yeah. sitting down with people and ask them questions and learn their backstories and stuff like that. But uh, change their diapers and yeah, whatever they need, really. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, and, it, and I think it's a good place to be. You know what I mean? Because I love being the youngest guy in the room because it's one of those things of one being young and then two looking like a child. That <laughs> right out, right out the gate, man. Right out the gate, people would get the they just start bragging on you, and I'm like, yeah, bring it. Let's build this report. Because yeah. <laughs> right. I would walk in to be like, hey, does your mom know you're here? <laughs> Yes, she does. She'll be picking me up at 730. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. That's like one, it one builds your skin, obviously, because you gotta be able to roll with the punches. But then two, like building a rapport, like somebody who can like throw a hurl uh, just a little jab at you and then you just kind of bob and weave, they're like, all right, this kid can hang. Well, I thought about at the very beginning of the show when we uh when we first introduced you, I thought about Starting out with, uh, uh, please welcome to the show, Matt Hunt, and sir, could I please see some ID? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, no, I'll save, I'll save that one. Oh, dude, believe, uh, don't worry. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that, like, I'm just waiting for the day that they stop. Because I'll be like, damn, I'm getting old. <laughs> right. I'm like, shit, I'm like, God, what happened to me? It's, well, it's, it's all that smoke. It just weathered me. And I honestly... I think it's exciting because, uh, and so back uh, last year, sometime I think it was, we have to remember, and I'm I'm coming up on 50 years old, and we have to remember that the the generations of cigar smokers, it's a cycle, and yeah. the younger cigar smokers are coming up into the cigar culture, yeah, and. The, the oldest of the cigar smokers are not from the cigar smoking itself, just from old age. They're right. going to start to, you know, go away. And <laughs> I'm trying to put that as trying to put that as gently as I can. You know, and I don't know. I don't know how they're the hell going it, to they're die. going to die. But no, what I'm saying is we have to remember that that the 
the youngest generation of, of early 20s cigar smokers coming into the cigar culture are going to have different tastes when it comes to design, flavor profiles, uh, branding, um, marketing, interaction with uh, the brand owners and things like that. And we can't keep sticking to the same old. Yeah, rinse, wash, and repeat. Yeah, yeah, we can't because people, people have different tastes. Well, and that's kind of an interesting thing because, like, even like when I started my brand, like I've ne- never necessarily worked with like the many idiotes of the world that are these like huge, big time designers that are. He's the guy that's doing everything with point things. Like now they're making Hublot watches and stuff, and you're like, damn. Me and my buddy from high school, like, I just asked him if he could put this stuff on a computer, and he was like, yeah, I guess. And that's how I kind of went about my branding, and it's been so cool because somebody who I just recently befriended and like we just kind of hit it off is Dave Ember from uh, CigarClub.com. I don't know how much you guys have been seeing from those guys, but they've become a great account for us. And I mean, the branding and marketing and just the whole presence that they've created is awesome. And even talking with him, like we, and not to say that I can't have these kind of relationships with people who are older than me in the industry, but it is such a different like dynamic having somebody who's 26 and I'm 29 and just like the things that we can recall or like talk about branding or talking about anything from like this generation and I, and I think that they're hitting it out of the park when it comes to, like, all their concepts and, like, even just what they're doing lifestyle-wise because it, it, yeah. it's still that lifestyle idea, but it's not that same, like, guy with a sniffer sitting by the fireside in his smoking jacket. You know what I mean? Which I think is cool. And that's even something that I think my own personal brand myself has changed a little bit. Maybe, maybe my cigar brand hasn't necessarily been completely revamped to be, like, a trendy TikTok cigar like brand but like just even me as an individual like I'm, now i've been working more and like learning from dave ember of just like creating content it's a different feel yeah, yeah it's just like a, it actually investing in the camera and just having the compositions be a little bit different using the apps to actually do the editing that you don't necessarily see any of these older owned brands doing yeah yeah i mean so it's been really really cool and i think that there's I think that there's going to be a lot of stuff. I'm just waiting for there to be a big, a big wave of just young smokers. I mean, I know they're out there. I mean, imagine when I was first starting, I didn't sell to anybody over 22. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the coolest things. Cause I, it's, it's how do you make something unapproachable, approachable? I know, but before we were discussing like, Oh, I mean, cigar smoking in the United States is pretty like democratized. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anybody can smoke. It doesn't matter if you're smoking a hundred dollar cigar or you're smoking a, a, a buck stick. It doesn't matter. Where And I think that the next thing, besides the point of, like, the price point, is just going to be that that feel of a brand like you were talking about. Yeah. Well, and we we talked to um, to Pete Johnson from Tatuaje about this back when Nick Jonas was on the cover of Cigar Aficionado. Yeah. And sadly, there were a bunch of people who came out of the woodwork, you know, making a stink about – Oh, what's this, you know, young boy band, blah, 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 you know, some jerk off kid on the cover of Cigar Aficionado. I'm like, this is a good thing. Absolutely. We said thing. the same thing. I couldn't believe the amount of of just hate yeah. nonsense that was out there about it. I thought, man, this you have no idea what a good thing this is for the cigar industry, for the cigar culture to have guys like Nick Jonas on the cover, have guys like, like uh, Chris Pratt and, and, you know, on the cover of cigar aficionado, you gotta, you gotta run with that, man. Absolutely. Well, and that's, and that's a huge thing because I mean, the only thing 
I would ever get mad at Nick Jonas about is that apparently he exclusively smokes Cubans, which I'm like, come on, man. Somebody's got somebody's to talk to the man. Well, I, he'll come around. He'll come around. <laughs> there's too many, there's too many good, I mean, there's too many good cigars from, from pretty much every place other than Cuba. Yeah. Um, you know, and because we, we've talked about, we don't really deal with Cuban cigars on how about that cigar. It's just, we, we want to deal with brands that people can pick up in the United States. And that's the, that's the market we're focusing on. Um, yeah, go ahead. So I want to talk about um, FQ, what that means, the uh, kind of the origin story of FQ. And then if you could walk us through the, the design and the artwork of your packaging, uh, your, your, your bands are simple and gorgeous and you even have, you know, a fun little thing on the inside band. Class never goes out of style. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, so, well, so FQ, I mean, you can imagine. I mean, in this industry, it's one of those things that everybody has Cuban heritage. Everybody has a story that their grandfather brought the seeds in their pants and they shook them out in the ground and now they have tobacco fields. And it's like, when I, when I was first getting into it, I was like, okay, so unless I'm like going to my grandmother's party, I'm not going to be wearing a Wyavita in a tobacco field. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not my shtick. But, and that was the same thing with the FQ cigars, that FQ, that just had a, a role about it. And I felt that it kind of had like a new school elegance to it, as opposed to Fernandez y Quiroga. You know what I mean? And then most of the time, if I ever said that, people would be like, you speak Spanish? <laughs> yes, I do. So Fernandez, just a little bit of the story, Fernandez was my mom's dad's family who dealt with tobacco in Cuba. And then Quiroga was my mom's mom's family that they owned a rum company called Rum Quiroga, Rum Pinilla. So got crazy history. There's got a lot of lineage and stuff, but it was one of those things that I didn't necessarily want to just try and like grasp for connections to Cuba and that be kind of my pedestal that I built my brand on. I wanted it to be kind of that, what were you talking about? Just kind of a new school thing, but with a nod to the past as opposed to like, oh, I'm stuck in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, but it's and it's just so interesting because it honestly like even growing up like I said nobody super immediate to me who smoked cigars or drank or any of that kind of stuff so I became this family historian I just loved every bit of what I was getting because I mean on the Fernandez side my dad or my my mom's grandfather came from Spain at twelve started working in one of the like bodegas like literally just like the warehouses for the tobacco and worked his way up and actually started the business and was on the side of things of being a broker from farmer to manufacturer in Cuba. And then Quiroga, I mean, that's awesome to be able to look through that history because, I mean, to be able to Google from Quiroga and then find the packaging of your family, you're like, that's pretty dope. I'm pretty down with that. And so it was just a cool thing that not only for the, like my cigar brand, but even just for me to be able to know where my family came from and the craziness that is the backstory. Um, and even like with the branding and stuff, like I wanted it to be super clean, super elegant. Um, and I was, I was always a big, I was a big dreamer, right? I was like, oh man, I want Bentleys and this and that. And I always liked the idea of like the wings. People always like, oh, like are those leaves? Are they wings? Are they this? I'm like, honestly, I got it off from like your Rolls Royces and your Bentleys. I just love the designs, and I just kind of ran with that. And then with the proper, 
the proper. I just loved every like super simplistic. I love the contrast of the white and gold on the dark cigar. Um, if you look at the actual typography, it's like the same typography that's going to be on like your hundred dollar bills and any kind of money has like the oh, little yeah. and stuff and just kind of just reminiscent of like a little bit of elegance, a little bit of money, but just like in details, not something that you look at and you're like, wow, they did a lot. There's a lot going on in this packaging. It's more of the simplistic. And even if you look at my boxes, like, I mean, everything's just a hundred percent cedar dovetailed and then cliche, that's it. You know I mean, because my big thing is I'd rather spend the money on the tobacco and pursue that than trying to come up with the marketing before I had the product. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So when you are not smoking cigars or working on blends or spending time in Nicaragua in the factory, what what are you doing with your life? What do you, you know, what do you spend your time doing, uh, whether it's hobbies or other business interests, things like that? What do you spend your time doing? Um, so, I mean, I do a lot with music. I'm a huge, our, my family's like huge into music. Um, I'm big into the wine and drinking scene. You can imagine like I've more and more become more into the wine scene. Maybe not so much as Pete Johnson with his 50 year old bottles of wine, but I got my little guys that I'm sticking away and hoping that they'll be worth something one day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I got uh, actually this other brand that's Fratelli, which I actually started with a couple of smoking buddies of mine that uh, it's a pasta sauce company. Okay. Pasta sauces. And, um, but, I mean, it's I've always loved telling the story because it's just so cool that it came out that one of our buddies was a chef. The other buddy is one of my guys from high school who bought my cigars, like, forever. And we used to always just go smoke and drink. And after the chef ended up selling his restaurant, he's like, all right. Now what are we going to do? And so we've, both, we've been able to now kind of start this business. And we've been on uh, doing mostly direct-to-consumer online. And then we've probably been in business like three, four months, and it's been gangbuster. And just now we're in now we're in three retailers, two in uh, just outside of Atlanta, and then one here in Orlando. So I'm busy. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. That's, yeah. And my thing is, like what we were even talking about, right, something I think it was before the show started was – I like, I think it's just so fun to get into businesses that like, even if I don't necessarily make it, damn, that process is like worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, because like for us to be able to like go through all the taste testing and the nights of drinking and brainstorming and writing, just like kind of just putting things into the universe. Like I wouldn't try that for anything. Well, and it's, it goes back to the, you mentioned the music thing. It goes, it goes back to the creativity part of it that, you know, artists, musicians, you know, we have a inherent creative nature that comes out in just about any type of business project we're going to get into. Well, and I think I saw that you, so you actually went to school for music, yeah? I did, yeah. So what'd you go yeah. for? Uh, jazz. I was a jazz major. Uh, I graduated with a degree in voice, uh, play a little piano, uh, songwriting, uh, that kind of thing. So I got to give you props. That's the, that's the most natural form of creative, like creativity right there. I mean, jazz is one of those things that sure you can get a degree, but you got to feel that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's What's really hard as a eunuch too. So <laughs> it is, it is, you know, I've had to, you know, I've had to fight a little harder than the, than, you know, your mm-hmm. average person. <laughs> so of all your blends from, uh, from, uh, from FQ cigars, which one do you find yourself reaching for most often? And maybe not forever, just lately. Nope, forever, proper. Proper, okay. Proper. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, it's one of those things, especially in uh, – so, I like I said, there's that smaller ring gauge, man, that, that five and a half by – the five and five eighths by 46 is just my go-to. And uh, even just recently, so, so my girlfriend, she's actually Serbian. So, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, I ended up making some uh, four by 44s of all three blends because I was like, oh, man, I wanted something that was cigarette size because everybody over there smokes. And I was like, I can't necessarily – I was like, they're out there for 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, give me another 90 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was one thing. I made these 4x44s. And because of – at that time, it was the civil unrest. And it just like – it seemed like one thing after another, I couldn't go and pick them up. And I wasn't going to be paying any kind of crazy thing to get them here. And they finally ended up coming. And, dude, we've been smoking these 4x44s of the proper – and even the Connecticut. Like, I'll have to send some to you guys. I mean, these 4x44s are just like little firecrackers. And I just love that size. I'd love it. Yeah. And for us here in obviously in Minnesota, um, typically we're fortunate to be able to smoke inside, but, uh, you know, there are times that you don't have that luxury. And, and when it's 30 degrees out, you want a cigar that is only going to take you 15 minutes. For sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, uh, preser- self preservation yes. up here. Well, uh, uh, Matt, so we know you played football in both high school, you played a year in college. I also know that you played lacrosse. This is this is intimate right now. <laughs> I've never been asked about my lacrosse career on, on a cigar show ever. So my question is, why hasn't lacrosse really transcended as the great sport that it is um, in the U.S.? Well, I think that's I, – honestly, I think, one, I think it's an expensive sport. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's one of those things that I know down here in Florida that I was fortunate. I literally, I never picked up a lacrosse stick freshman year. I, after football, basketball, I was like, okay, well, like, I got to do something. I want to get in trouble. And so went out for the lacrosse team, but I told one of the coaches who actually I had known for years, and I was like, yo, I don't have anything. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I got you. So I literally was like in Little Giants where they have to like <laughs> crew it and kind of like, I got like a 10-year-old helmet. And then I got like makeshift pads and they basically just give me like a wooden stick and they're like, you'll be fine. Just go throw your body around. <laughs> and so I, I can just always, I mean, I fell in love with it, man. That was, that was one of my favorite sports. It was one of those things that, especially in Florida, it's, a little, it's played a little bit differently than I know up North. I know it's kind of changed now that it's become more that finesse sport like it is up North. Yeah. Down here, I mean, not to make it a big deal, but I mean, we're breeding athletes now. it's all about speed it's all about big and fast and like being athletic and yeah you can pick up lacrosse and be able to outrun somebody you can run somebody over you can this that another thing but to really hit that next level i mean it's all skill i mean it's all stick skills it's all especially as a defender being able to throw those checks and do it with some kind of (laughs) precision you know what i mean not just be swacking somebody with a stick (laughs) um so i know down here it's one of those things that I, like the private schools that picked it up, the public schools are getting more into it. There's a lot of boarding schools down here that do it. I just think that because hockey's not a big thing down here, lacrosse doesn't make tons of sense. Because I always, the way I used to explain it to people who had no idea what lacrosse was, which I still think is a bizarre thing to be playing a sport and having to explain that sport to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's basically like hockey in the air. And it makes sense that, of course, up north is going to be. Imagine if you're not playing on ice, pick it up, and now you're playing lacrosse. Yeah. 
I mean, I still think that I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that lacrosse is a phenomenal sport. Still one of my favorite ones to play and watch. Just I think that there's so much action. Great thing to watch. Oh my gosh, I think it's so much fun. And, it, and I would tell people that, like, as a football player, I'm like, it's great. This is even better than football. <laughs> like, it's, it's not like this. Oh, the linemen who are hitting and they're only a foot away from each other. Oh, it's not the tackles. If you're a depot, you're coming from the defense. The mini's like looking, trying to get a clear, and you're laying people out. You're yeah. really just rocking people's worlds. And I'm like, how how much longer can this be legal? This cannot. Be legal. <laughs> <laughs> like, Man. So no, I feel you. I don't know what it's going to take, but I think until. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you because I would think hockey would have to get real popular before lacrosse, but that doesn't necessarily make sense because like, obviously you would think a lot of places, especially in the South, that can play year-round. Right. See, because hockey up here, um, I mean, it's uh, it's nearing $2,000 a year per player oh, to right. play hockey. Yeah. I, I A buddy of mine I used to work with, at the time, this was a lot. This was years ago, but he had three boys in hockey at the same time. Oh, and oh, with all the, and and the, these are and this he was at a certain school district that was known for state champion teams year after year after year. And between all the traveling and you know what, ice time, ice time, hotels, meals, gear, he said it cost his family about 30 grand a year to keep the boys in hockey. Oh man. See, that's yeah. why I'm like, you know what kids golfing, golfing tennis, <laughs> golfing tennis. Forget about that. You heard a stick ball. We're yeah, playing exactly. stick ball. Exactly. Really? Yeah. Good at spelling. God, they're so good at spelling. <laughs> basketball. All you know, I'll, buy, I'll go, to, we'll go to, we'll go to Dick's. We'll buy a basketball and a, and a nice pair of shoes and you're done. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. man. That's how a lot of people down here, are like that with baseball. Baseball, oh, yeah. that's just like I have a neighbor that man. This guy, he's got the same thing. Three boys, and I mean, what's a life? I mean, they don't, they don't, they got nothing. Every weekend they're traveling and they're going all over the place, and half the team doesn't speak English. And I'm mean, like, yeah, just the minors. Like this seems like it's like, like, <laughs> like, oh. like damn. Well, and when I had my couple years ago, when my youngest son was in little league, he just got to where they were. Um, they were pitching for themselves, and that's when you have to you have to get your your player their own bat. They can't use a community bat from the team. Yeah. And the cheapest bat I'm talking I'm talking an eight year old boy. The cheapest bat I could find in the 31 inch range was like 70 bucks. There are bats there are bats six seven eight hundred bucks for a for a friggin' baseball bat for a for an eight year old. How big is your eight-year-old that he's swinging a 31 set? Oh, he's – all my kids are tall. Oh, Jesus. That's what I was like swinging when I was like in eighth grade. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, he's, he, he – at eight years old, he was five feet tall. Damn. Yeah. Jeez. That's awesome. Gary, did you play lacrosse? I did. I didn't even know about lacrosse until my senior year in high school. Really? Um, the, uh, the private school by my house – started a team for the first time and uh that was you know 1995 96 and uh so that was the first time i even saw it um and um, i never had a chance to play it um but you know seeing 
either some friends in that time, or I know our college had a team and then watching it, you know, periodically through the years, it's a great sport. It really is. Yeah. And I think it should get a little bit more attention than it's getting. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's a phenomenal sport. Well, I think, is it time? I think so. Is it time? Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we should. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, guys, Numero de los Muertos is brought to you by Smoke in Cigars. If you would, please take just a minute, watch and listen to this message from Honest Abe and Smoke in. On February 20th, 2021, we will be taking on the endeavor of putting on an eight-hour virtual event one like you've never seen before. For your ticket price of approximately $169 delivered to your door, you will get the TGS party in a box. This box will be filled with everything you'll need for our virtual event, including opportunities to purchase cigars at epic deals, epic packages, and some very special exclusive cigars being made from us by some of the most epic manufacturers in the industry. Carlito Fuente, Pete Johnson, Steve Saka, Aganor Salif, Perdomo Cigars, just to name a few. There's a very limited supply. Head over to thegreatsmoke.com, purchase your ticket, and get your party in the box. We'll see you soon. Peace. And it is time for this week's Numero de los Muertos, brought to you by Smoke In Cigars. Garrett, take it away. All right. So this number is not a high number. All right. On average, three people a year die from this. However, last year, 15 people died from this. It's not really relevant. Um, in the U.S. only. All right. So, as always, viewers, if you have guesses or questions, put them in the comments. Matt, you and I are going to play 20 questions here and try to figure out what. So, three people a year. On average. On average. Yep. In the United States. Yep. Die from this every year. I was shocked. Taking a selfie. <laughs> we did that one, and it's we, actually, yeah, we that's did. in the hundreds. Sadly, it's way higher. Yeah, it's in the hundreds. Okay, United States. But last year was how many? Fifteen. Last year was fifteen, but on average, it's three. Yep. Why was it higher last year? Twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good call. Just want to make sure. I just want to. Uh, John, it is not medical. Okay. Is it out, is it out, is it an outside cause? It is. See, John's got the John's got the uh, strategy down. He knows Ooh. he knows the questions to ask. He was uh, he guessed our last week. He, he did. was our last week winner. Um, it is water, John. Skiing. No. Wakeboarding. No. Does it take any kind of equipment? Yes. Is it underwater or above water? Above. Is the water liquid? <laughs> Falling through ice? Yes, it is liquid. The water is liquid. I'm just making yep. sure it's not, you know, could, yeah. could be ice. That's right. Uh, so it's soft water. It's wet. It's wet water. Yeah. Falling overboard? Um, n- no. We got... Two it's, guesses in a row for fishing. It is not fishing. Um, Matt, you're on the right track. Okay. 
with falling overboard, but I'm going to need it uh, more specific. More specific. Diving. No. Ugh. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna help us out with uh, our geographics. This happens only in the southeast. The southeast. Catfishing? No. It is not being pushed overboard. Um, falling off a jet ski. Mm-mm. Oh, we did that once. We did jet ski. And it's not fishing, and it's not being pulled in by a fish. Correct. It is not shipwrecks. Not shipwrecks. Um, southeast. Southeast. But he said it's not. Being, it's not falling overboard. Shipwrecks is is also on the. Uh, it's on the the right path, and falling overboard is on the right path. But we're looking for something a little bit more specific. It's not scuba diving. Mm-mm. Leaving, like deserting somebody, leaving somebody in the ocean. No. Ah, oh, man, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it? Does it? Uh, does so? Does it deal with the animals or no? No. Uh, nothing to do with uh, drunk. Nothing to do with drinking. Drink, drunkenness. Well, I mean, that could be involved. That could be um, a uh, a factor, but it's not part it's of the actual stat. Correct. Okay. Um, three people. That's a such a low number. Is I, I almost want to say like. So this, uh, I mean, headlines will probably start with Florida man. Oh, does it involve alligators? Nope, because no animals. No animals. Um, so Chad, you're getting closer. But I'm going to need more specifics on slipping overboard. What's that? Slipping overboard? No. Yeah. Need uh, more specifics on the uh, vehicle. Falling out of a canoe. No. Um. Think of it... think of the the terrain in the southeast. Oh, airboat. Yes. Oh, is it? It is airboat casualties. Damn. No way. That'll happen in 2020. We don't. I don't know. I looked, uh, and uh, they didn't give. I couldn't find anything that said 2020 was, you know, anything different. But, you know, over the past 20 years, it's a three-person <clears throat> average, which I thought was so like super a like low. a like a Everglades tour kind of thing. Correct. Somebody falls off one of those airboats. Yep. Well, I figured that it would be, I'm assuming like during quarantine, people are like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be around anybody. Here we go. Well, yeah. and that actually does make sense because people found any way they could to get out of the house. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, people are like, hey, let's take a Everglade boat tour. We'll just wear our masks and, <laughs> you know, hold my hold my beer. Yeah. And we'll. And so uh, after last year, actually, uh, Florida is looking at getting people licensed to do um, airboat tours because currently they're not required to have any kind of licensing. So, but right, so it's actually people dying on the tours or people just dying 
driving air, airboating accidents. Oh, airboating accidents. Okay. I can see how that could get out of hand quick. I, yeah, that could easily get. I've out. never been on one. Have you? I have not. See, I I was trying. I feel bad because I mean, Florida. Yeah, Florida man. But that's why I thought the whole catfishing thing. I was like, I'm just trying to think of what people do. Yeah. What things are doing with their free time? Yeah. Well, I've, yeah. You know, I saw you were a Florida guy. I was like, let's do something Florida. That's a good one. I like Airboat. that. It's a very good one. I, like I, I was one. shocked at the at the low number. So, like who, so how what's the longest one ever been? You guys have had to wait to try and guess it. Oh, there there have been there have been a few that have stumped where I've had to yeah, just there, come up. There have the been answer. a couple where he, where he's had to just give us the answer, um, even after multiple clues. Those are usually ones that are like super obscure like there's a, related to some obscure disease that i think uh the maple syrup uh urine disease yeah there's a, there's a thing called maple syrup urine disease that he did a few months ago oh my gosh that sounds horrible it, right yeah well and the only reason uh the only way they know is by smelling the urine of a new uh, an infant baby what and what it smells like it smells like sweet. Yeah. Crazy. Right? And I have not touched maple syrup since. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he walks by. A, he walks by. Like, I just imagine you going by like a Cracker Barrel and be like, oh, my God, all these people, they have the disease. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody check your urine. Check your urine. Call the CDC. <laughs> We've got an outbreak. Oh, shit. So uh, that was a good one. Yeah. That, was a good one. that is this week's. Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to you by Smoke in Cigars. All right, so Matt, a little bit of a lightning round. If you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Elon Musk, because I mean... Love it. I mean, like, you got to be able to, if you hear what's going on, Maybe the stuff that comes out will make more sense. Exactly. Exactly. And that is, we've heard that answer a few times. Yeah. Cause I, and I agree 100%. I, w- I want to know what, what's going on in a genius. The numbers for the child's name, that's the one where I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, thought, I, was doing, I thought I was like, does that mean I buy stock? I don't know what you want me to do. I don't, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, this week for me, it would be Warren Buffett. Like, oh, yeah. GameStop? Fucking really? <laughs> Yeah. Imagine. Well, actually, for for Warren Buffett's case, he his response was probably, "What the hell is GameStop?" <laughs> All right. So, if you were about to get into a fight, yeah, what would your soundtrack music be? Uh, that's good. This girl is on fire. Okay, only, only because I love like the man from Uncle and like that movie and like the old <laughs> like the spy movies. It would be like an old Italian, like an old Dean Martin, like Volade or something like that, where it's like a ton of action, but then you got like some nice little rat pack soundtrack. Like it. That is good. Absolutely. I, I like that a lot. All right. So uh, I I think I know what the answer is gonna be, but we have to ask it. Choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a hockey goal as the goalie or a soccer goal as the goalie. 
I would say hockey. Oh, I'm, I'm surprised. Done. I'm surprised. I, no, I've done I've done the football one. I did the football one in oh, high school. Makes sense. Yeah, I did the actually. I can I can still remember this thing. It was I can still remember that we had our outside linebacker coming off the edge, and literally he just blindsided the quarterback, and legitimately magic, the ball bounced. It just fell into my stomach, and I ran a <laughs> touchdown for the go-ahead win, and we won. Not, not even a scoop and score, like a. No, honestly, it's as if I don't even know. If, I think it would have just fallen down my pants if I would have just put my hands up. <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, oh, I have the ball. But then the best part, and of course, it never like I had to like try and figure out ways to delete the film, was because I made it all into the end zone and just slid as I got in there. Didn't get to do a cool dance. Didn't get to do anything. Just fell. <laughs> Is that like, high school or college? High school. Nice. That's still awesome. That's awesome. Nice. No, and I know it might be things like with hockey. It's like I know that like the goalie is on a pedestal. It's like if any of the opposing players ever hit him or anything like that when he's out of the crease, it's like I would just want to know how like the rest of the play, how would I score and would anybody touch me? Because I would hope I would score, they would hit me, and then a brawl would outbreak and it would be the best. Never touch the goalie. Exactly. All right. If you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be? All right. One that I thought was the coolest thing. So there's a documentary called Agnelli. It was the guy. Do you guys ever see that? The CEO of the, the Fiat factory. And he used to always wear his watch on the, the cuff of his shirt. Hmm. One of those things that like, I don't even know if it was a big trend, but it was like a flex on people that was just like, he was just like a trendsetter guy, and he always had that. And it was just one of those things. I was like, oh, "That's pretty dope." Nice. Was something yeah. that was like, oh, it's not a trend that everybody did, but like, if you know, you know. Nice. Yeah. So, who was your childhood or teenage celebrity crush? And not to be, not in the weed way, because I obviously I actually never watched the show or anything like that. Jennifer Aniston, hands down. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Never watched Friends, never knew anything, and I was just like, yep. Mm-hmm. If you could add any person's face to Mount Rushmore, and it doesn't have to be a president, who would it be? <sighs> yeah, that is a good question. And that's supposed to be lightning, but... No, take all the time you need. And it's one of those things, do you do it for like, actually, that's somebody who I think everybody would agree on. And I just recently watched a documentary with Steve Irwin. Ooh. Oh, the uh, the crocodile hunter. Maybe. Who yeah. didn't like Steve Irwin? He never did anything. The only thing he ever did was try to help animals. Yeah. I like that. And I'm sure that he wouldn't get canceled in any kind of way. I mean. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody would find something. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. That's good. I like that one. So, um, so Matt, each week we we name a notable smokable, a cigar we've smoked over the past week or so that that was interesting to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market forever that we just smoked again for the first time in many years, or it could be something brand new. Um, obviously, with FQ, you've got your own stuff, but do you do you smoke outside of your uh, your own catalog from time to time? Uh, yeah, I actually do all the time, and you would be. So that's the one thing I actually do miss a lot about the shows is, man, like, I mean, of course, like throughout the year, you're just working on stuff, but the shows were always great because you just got a stockpile and you're able to work, you're able to taste everything that everybody's doing. Yeah. But, um, but 
actually, I had to go see these guys directly to make sure that I got one. Was uh, one of the new Postania War Bears. I can't Thing is, I thoroughly enjoyed it, especially being one of those guys that's not. I don't necessarily want to go take a nap after one of those smokes. I told Mikey, I'm like, buddy. Yeah, I get it. So I won't give any spoilers, but I just finished my review of that War Bear Toro. And it will mm. be published very soon on HowAboutThatCigar.com. I won't give any spoilers, but yeah, it was it was tasty. Thank you, man. What was uh, what was yours this week, Gary? I did a throwback. Um, I I um, came in and I looked, and I saw the this old Hoyo de Monterey Excalibur. Oh yeah, and I was like, you know what? I haven't smoked one of those. In probably two, three years. Yeah, that's a damn good cigar. Yeah, it is for a reason. Like that's a staple in every, just about every humidor in America, for a reason. Yeah, and I'd say that's a cigar that a lot of people, you know, that I'd say that's you could put that cigar in the in in like the uh, the Hall of Fame, Cohiba Red Dot or Macanudo Hyde Park kind of category, mm-hmm. where a lot of people that's one of their one of their first premium cigars when they first start to get into yep. the hobby. Um, I've definitely put that in that category. Um, I got another one for you, just real quick, Matt and Gary, that I always enjoyed. And like I said, I mean, I always am critical. I feel like I'm just 100% pure a lot of the time just because I'm like, you don't want it to be the same all the way throughout. But, man, one that I've always enjoyed is the 20th anniversary Christian Idoa. 100%. 100%. Yep. Dude. And he had a little box press. I actually think it was a Corona Gorda. That was a little box press. It might have been an oval. Or, oh, my gosh, man. I always enjoyed that. Just super sweet. The candiness that we were talking about with the Honduran. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, for me this week, uh, so my father cigars made um, the 97th anniversary cigar for Federal Cigar uh, in New Hampshire. And – uh, I had a few of them that I I bought. I think they, 2018 is when they came out. And I had a few of them that I bought. And I just had one left. And I smoked it yesterday. And it's so if you're familiar with the the My Father um, Le Bijou 1922, it won Cigar of the Year, I think, six years ago, yep. somewhere in that neighborhood. And so this is picture the Le Bijou blend with a mild Connecticut shade wrapper. It is a really, really good cigar. It is, it has got, it's got those things that you want. Like we were talking about earlier, it's got those things you want from a Connecticut shade cigar where you get creaminess and you get kind of baking spice and roasted pecans and stuff Mm. like that. But you also get that, that Don Pepin, my father factory spice. And it's, it's just, super legit i was sad to smoke my last one but but i don't regret it it's a such a good cigar can't regret it you got to smoke what you have don't mm-hmm. yeah so um give our viewers and listeners an of an i an idea some stuff we have coming up soon so this weekend we actually have a special show normally obviously we're always on monday nights uh but this weekend on saturday at 3 p.m eastern time we are going to talk to Jose Blanco, who is the uh, 
sales director for <laughs> Jose Blanco. Jose. Yeah. He's only he's he's just a legend in the, the cigar coffee? industry. Coffee. Oh, cigars. So he um and he is now the uh the sales director for Arturo Fuente International. And he um has been very gracious. He he was in the hospital for a while with COVID and uh thank God he recovered. He's he's home. He's doing well and he is going to be on our show Saturday, so a special Saturday broadcast. Uh, be on the lookout for notifications about that, and make sure to set a reminder so you don't miss that show. Um, and then next week on the eighth, we're going to talk to Henderson Ventura, uh, which we're excited to talk to to him. He's got a great tobacco lineage and sort of a newer brand that's all his own, Adventura Cigars. Um, and looking a little bit ahead, further into February. Um, on the 22nd, we're going to talk to Alec and Bradley Rubin, uh, sons of Alan Rubin, uh, famous for Alec Bradley cigars. Uh, these guys, young guys that have, have made their own way, started up their own brands, uh, and they're putting out some killer blends that have even gotten love on cigar aficionado lists and, and many other cigar of the year lists. Uh, so we're excited to talk to them and, you know, learn about their story. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt, give, all our viewers and listeners, uh, where is the best place for them to uh, get the latest and greatest info on FQ Cigars? Uh, so, uh, obviously, with the news is going to the at FQ Cigars on Instagram. Uh, when it comes to sticks, you can always check out CigarHustler.com. You can always check out Small Batch. Um, and thanks a lot, guys. I sincerely appreciate it. I know that you guys are doing a lot for the smaller brand guys. I love going on, seeing all the videos. And obviously, that's some big boys, but us small guys, we appreciate it, man. Oh, absolutely. We love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's actually one of our favorite things. I mean, we love talking to the big boys, but uh, just getting the word out about uh, you and a lot of other brands that are just getting started, that's one of the things we love because, like I said, it's the future of the cigar industry. Uh, I think having, having the old storied brands along with the new up-and-coming brands is what's going to continue to make this this cigar culture stronger. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. So for all of our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us every Monday night. Don't forget this coming Saturday afternoon. Uh, Follow us on social media at HBT Cigar. Uh, Sign up for the mailing list. And if you have questions for Garrett and I, you can find us on HowAboutThatCigar.com. And until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thank you. Thank you.